Hey everybody, it's Chris Lipper from On The Bus Events, and we lost a big one this week with Buddy Cage of the New Riders. And uh, I only got to meet Buddy once, um, and uh, but I got to see him play a bunch of times, and uh, incredible. Um, I, I can't think of a better pedal steel player than Buddy Cage. Um, and if you just go on YouTube or somewhere and listen to some of these great recordings that are out there, um, the way he can bend those notes is um, really incredible. And, you know, you got to figure also that he was the guy who took Garcia's spot uh, with the new riders. And so those were some pretty big shoes to fill. And I guess that was like in 70, whenever Festival Express was, that's when that went down. And, um, yeah, Jerry picked him and said, uh, here's your guy's new pedal steel player. So um, I have no interview uh, with Buddy. Uh, Would have loved that. But um, I do have a recent interview with Johnny Markowski where he talked about how the new, the new New Riders kind of started. And it was around the golf with uh, Johnny and Buddy and uh, Buddy really pushing Johnny to make those calls. And so we'll play that again in memory of Buddy Cage. Um, just a super, super talent. And um, enjoy. Hey, it's Chris Lipper from On The Bus Events, and we're backstage at the Stone Pony with Johnny Murkowski, one of my favorite, favorite singer-songwriters, and I've gotten to see Johnny in at least two of my top five favorite bands, The New Riders and Jeb Jones, and um, he's playing down here tonight with Sandy Mack and a bunch of other guys doing something called Jingle Jam, and uh, so I grab Johnny as he's walking in the door, and... uh, Johnny, say hello for us and tell us how you got into this whole musical thing, this venture of yours. What's up, Chris? Um, um, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, what musical adventure? Um, I don't know. When I was um, five years old, six years old, my brother was a drummer. And uh, he, he had a drum set in the basement. And... Um, my aunt was babysitting us the night before, and uh, we were uh, doing arts and crafts with candles. We were we were melting candle candle wax over Chianti bottles. Okay, you know, like at our, five years old. Yeah, yeah. Well, my aunt, you know, we were all under my aunt's supervision. Right. You know, on the kitchen table, and uh, I didn't finish my bottle, and uh, you know, my mom was home on Saturday morning. Now the next day, and my bottle wasn't finished, so. I thought I could go and hide and play with some matches and finish my bottle, my wax art piece. Right. And uh, <laughs> my brother was on the, on, with my dad getting drumsticks. And uh, my brother used to keep a sheet over his drum set in the basement so the dust wouldn't get on it. So... Um, I went downstairs and I thought a great place to go and melt my candle would be underneath that sheet because I wouldn't be seen. It was like you could be in a little secluded fort, you know, and underneath the drums. 
and uh, I lit my match and I had my candle brewing. Oh no. And I watched the sheet that was covering the drum set just take fire like it looked like a, it just just like a wave of flames just went over the over the sheets and uh next thing i know the drum set was engulfed in flames oh my god i didn't get burned or anything my mom came running downstairs she's beating the drums with uh blankets and <laughs> putting out the fire and the basement's all smoky and she opens up the windows the neighbors call the fire department. The fire department comes and my brother comes home with my dad. And uh, his drum set was uh, not burnt badly, but it had burn marks all over it. And uh, the skins were all melted. And um, my brother didn't play drums anymore. And the drums went into like the garage. And a couple of years later, I uh, started playing the drums. That burnt drum set. That's <laughs> How okay. I got my first drum set. That's a great story. So, so how long have you been touring like a real musician? When was your first band? Uh, other than the, the burning the sheet incident. My first band? My yeah. first band was, I was in fifth grade. I had a band called wow. Four Wheel Drive. Okay. With my friend Johnny Franjone, Steve Stavros, and Ken Indall. And uh, we played like uh, Kiss music and the Beatles. And uh, we did our first concert uh, at our grammar school. We played the, uh, the Winter Cotillion show and the choir director, Mrs. Carroll was her name. She found out we had this little band and she asked if we would like to play uh, music and back the choir. And if we did this, we would get to play two of our own songs. So uh, we so, did So that. you had your own songs in fifth grade? Well, not our own songs, but two songs that we played. Oh, okay. So we played Octopus's Garden for the choir. That's great. And uh, Day Tripper by the Beatles and Rock and Roll All Night and Party Every Day. Wow. Any recordings of these around anywhere? I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. There's probably some photos floating around. All right. And then what? What was the next band after that? Um, I got into a band in high school. There was a band called, when I was a freshman in high school, I was uh, working on my Uncle Joe's garbage truck in the summer, and I was making extra money, and I had some loot. So um, there was a band that were older kids in high school that Vin Warner was in. We'll talk about Vin a little later, but... Uh, One of our favorite bass players, yeah, for sure. This, they had this band called High Times, and... Word on the street was the drummer had a, um, he had a, um, he had a recording studio. He had a four-track Fostex recording system in his basement. And I had some money, so I, I approached them at some keg party. And I said, I would like to record some songs, because at this point I had written a couple, like probably four or five songs. Were you playing guitar then as well, yeah, or as a drummer? what happened was, when I was playing drums, for those, uh, when I was in the young, younger and in a band, that we used to play at my house because none of my friends would let uh, drums come into their house. So right. drummers usually rehearse at the drummer's house. So um, the kids would leave their guitars there. And I started picking up uh, their guitars when they would leave and playing guitar, learning how to play by asking them questions. How do you play a D chord, you know? And at, at that point I started writing music so are you self-taught on the guitar? Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. So at that point, I started writing music, and I had like probably f 
three, maybe four originals finished, and I wanted to record them in John Jost's basement. I offered him money to record at his basement, and uh, he told me, gave me the price, I think it was like a hundred bucks or something, and I could have the whole band, you know, do the recording. And uh, so I went down there, it was John Jost, Mark Pedden, and Vin Warner, and uh, they had a singer in their band named Ricky Kersey, and um, I finished my three songs we finished on the first day of the recording. And uh, uh, four days later, I got a phone call from the drummer, John Jost, asked me if I wanted to go and mix the songs. So I went up to his house and he sat me down and asked me if I wanted to be in their band. Okay. So, And what was that band called? That band turned it, was called High Times, but when I got into it, we called it the Bad Rocks. <laughs> okay. And uh, I was in that band for quite some time. I uh, played in that band all the way through high school. Um, I was 15 years old playing bars. Wow. You know, my mom took me to uh, motor vehicles with my brother's birth certificate and said I was my older brother so I could have a wow. license to play in these bars. I had a very supportive mom to the business. Yeah, sounds like it. And uh, so um, playing uh, the interlude in uh, Blauvelt, New York, and on um, Route 303, and you know, and another place, what was the other place called? Uh, wow, I forget. It was um, owned by, a, I know the lady's name, it was Thea, she owned it, this old lady Thea. And we used to say, Thea later, at the end of the <laughs> night. But, um, so we used to play those places, and I'd get home at like four in the morning on a Thursday night gig and go to, go to school on Friday. Right. You know, it was cool. And then after high school, uh, you know, ventured off a um, couple of projects and I got into a band with the drummer from Bad Rocks. He uh, introduced me to a great guitar player named Ben Tessiello from Oradell, New Jersey. And next thing I know, I was recording at Ben's place. Ben had a 16 track studio. So we uh, went in there and it was basically, we were gonna just go in there and record songs. We weren't thinking about being a band or anything. I heard he had a studio. He was a good engineer and a great guitar player and we just wanted to lay some tracks down. And uh, Ben brought a bass player in called Tom Otina, his name was, and uh, started playing in that band and uh, that band turned into a, a band called The Package. And, uh, you know, um, it was not meant to be like the package as like a, um, a dirty thing, you know? Uh, or a liquor thing. Or, yeah, right. Or, you know, or a drug we were, thing. Or a drug thing. Right. We were trying to get gigs in New York and they were like, you got to send us a promo package. Uh, you got to send us a promo package, you know? So we were like, we are the package, you know? So that's how we came up with that name. And that band lasted for a while. And, um,. I don't know, we've played a lot of gigs in New York City, The Bitter End, Kenny's Castaways, The Cat Club, played Wally's and Bergenfield, all local bars, and had a great time with that band. And, um, you know, uh, I think there was musical differences, you know, um, partying differences, you know, some people liked to smoke weed, some people didn't like to smoke weed, so there was little, little lines drawn, you know. So, Maybe even literally, uh, right. Yeah, so we kind of, <laughs> so we kind of, uh, you know, split up, and um, then I I, uh, I I I answered an ad in the East Coast Rocker, and uh, 
when that band broke up, looking for musicians to play with these guys, the bass player and a drummer, Ted Gore, and this guy named Scott Bross, who were, uh, had an ad out looking for a guitar player, singer guy. So I hooked up with them, and they're from Teaneck, New Jersey, and I went and I played with them, and they were really talented musicians. And um, we started jamming, and Ted Gore's like, man, you gotta meet my brother's friends, Break it. My brother's friend, this guy Jan London, is a great guitar player. So um, I was like, sure, man, bring him down. So I met Jan, and uh, next thing I know, I'm jamming with Jan. And I thought Jan was, when I first heard Jan play, he had, I never heard anybody play guitar like Jan. Jan has his own thing going on. And he's lefty, too. And he's a lefty. Right. And he's a great guy. Um, and I hit it off with Jan really well. And the other guys were more into like, um, they weren't into like free form jam. They were more into like, um, you know, everything's got to be the same way every, every time you play it. And, and the songs had like high difficulty, you know, uh, levels of difficult. Uh, so um, Jan and I started just jamming together and we put uh, stir fry together. And hence stir fried. And next thing, that's where I'm. You know, my right started touring with stir fried. Met Joanne Lettiger, you know, Vin Lorenzo, Buddy Cage, you know, Vassar Clemens. That became a, a nice. Some nice, pretty big names you're throwing nice around. Nice band there. to be jamming right. with. You know, it was a lot of fun. And, and how long was that band? I, you guys still play once in a while, but we when still was play. Um, we? I think we started really playing a lot. I'm going to say the year was 1991, 92, and we played all the way till like touring, probably doing 150 shows a year on a on a bus, you know, a school bus um, for 13 years, all the way into like I'm going to say 2001, 2002, 2003, and uh, that band uh, we ended up it just did its course you know like we played a lot and uh you know after you do something for so long and you're struggling out there it's uh it just ran its course so but you were on the road with them for 13 years uh, probably more on the road like 11 i'm thinking okay. 11 years still pretty exciting stuff yeah and then my um so when they broke up i started uh hanging out at this place called kelly's pub and my friend jim driscoll owned it and um, what happened was uh, Jim asked me to bring music to his bar. So I said, great, man. So I started a blues night there. And um, I started playing drums again because we had a, a drum set in there. And one night we didn't have a drummer for the blues jam. And I was like, hey, man, I'll play drums. And I, I sat down behind the drums and I was like, wow, I, I, I could play these things. And I really enjoyed playing the drums. I felt really young again. I felt like a whole new thing coming on and um, next thing I know um, I uh, my aunt gives me a Hammond B3 organ with a Leslie she calls me up and says she has no room in her house for it and if I want it so I brought the Hammond over to Kelly's pub and my friend Bob Driscoll's getting married and Melvin Seals uh, Melvin Seals is playing his wedding and I get a phone call from Melvin Seals asking <clears throat> if if uh, he could rent my organ for the week. Okay. 
So I said, yeah, I'd give you my organ for the week, but if you jam with me and my friends out in Colorado, and he's like, what friends? I said, well, I got these guys, you know, they play Garcia band stuff, great guitar player named Jim Saluzzi and Ronnie Penkwe. I started playing with them when I was playing drums at Kelly's Pub. They started coming in, we jamming a little bit and having a lot of fun. And Ronnie was playing bass with Stir Fried at the time, so we were getting along and doing our thing. And um, so Melvin said, yeah, this would be cool. So I called Jay Bianchi, the guy that we, Stir Fried used to go out and play Colorado. That was our big state. And uh, we used to play a lot of gigs out in Colorado. But So I called Jay Bianchi and I booked some gigs out there with Melvin Seals. And Melvin rents my organ for the week. I just give it to him. He gives, brings it back. I was psyched to have him play it. And next thing I know, we're going to Colorado and we're playing with Melvin. And it was and me. And it's you, Ronnie, Jimmy. And Jimmy Saluzzi. Crazy. And, um, and Pete, um, the keyboard player from Ripple, came out with us. And uh, what ended up happening was uh, during that run, Melvin called us together and asked us if we wanted to be do the JGB with him. And at this point, I've only been playing drums for like a year, maybe, you know, and I get that going on. I was like, holy shit. Right. So we started, we went on tour with Melvin for about two years. Now, would you sing with JGB as well or no? No, just okay. drumming. Okay, Ronnie, no jazz. That's great. Yeah, That's Ronnie, incredible. Just, just drumming. And, you know, after all the whole stir-fried thing and playing guitar, now I'm drumming again and enjoying the drums, you know, I kind of didn't really want to play guitar for a while. I wanted to kind of step away from it, you know? And um, I just really was enjoying playing drums quite a bit. So didn't sing in JGB, didn't do any of that stuff. And uh, while the JGB is going on, we did a bunch of shows. Things didn't work out. Uh, our agent wasn't the coolest agent. This guy, uh, I don't even want to say his yeah, name. No some guy from Colorado was booking us. And, you know, he was booking us at some really good places and some really bad places. And, you know, Ronnie Ronnie has, like, alti gets altitude sickness. So this guy had Ronnie playing in all of these crazy, you know, altitude places like eight, like Breckenridge, Ridge, 8,000 feet, you know you know, above sea level. So Ronnie couldn't take it. Ronnie Ronnie couldn't take doing that, all of that kind of touring. So the band kind of, you know, that kind of split up the JGB. Um, Jimmy uh, was having a hard time on the road. And uh, so we, we kind of faded from Melvin. And uh, I'm really happy he's doing great with it now though. I love Melvin Seals. I mean, so I good. was blessed beyond belief to play with Melvin Seals. He's one of my favorite a people in the world and and uh and musicians you know i mean the, the, that guy plays hammond b3 like nobody i've ever heard play it you know what i mean i got to see you open for him this summer where's that the orange county fairground yeah. or something yeah. that was yeah. a lot of fun yeah it was a good gig so um i'm playing golf with buddy cage because now the jgb thing is kind of done and um Buddy Cage and I remained close uh, with, with Stir Fry breaking up. Buddy used to come and do the Kelly's jams. And when I wasn't playing on uh, the road with Melvin, we would still do these jams at Kelly's Pub. I'd get home from tour and the jams would be going on. So um, one of my friends, Bob Dreskel, came over to my house one night. We were hanging out late. And uh, just I picked up my guitar and I started playing songs, a bunch of songs. And... Uh, He's like, man, you gotta record these songs. And I'm like, it costs money to record songs, dude. 
and uh, you know to go into a studio. So the next day, Bob came to my house with an envelope, and he's like, "I want you to go to the studio and record your songs." So I went into the studio and I started recording, and I, I wanted to do something. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I didn't want it to sound like stir fried. So I played acoustic guitar. I didn't want to play electric. I wanted everything to be acoustic, except for Buddy. I wanted Buddy on the record, um, on the recording. So I, I had asked Buddy for his help. I said, "What do you think I should do?" You know, and uh, he said, "Let's talk about it over a round of golf." So we went out golfing. And Buddy was in the New Riders at that point for how long? Well, forever, I guess, right? Since seventy-two, I think Buddy got in the New Riders in seventy-one or seventy-two. I think it was right 72. after Jerry left, he yeah. was the next pedal steel he player was picked by Jerry to go. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Jerry said, "This is the guy you should get to replace me." This guy, okay. on, right after Festival during Festival Express, he he expressed himself to David Nelson and John Dawson and said, "This is the guy." you ought to get to play. Okay. Because Buddy was on Festival Express with Ian and Sylvia. Okay. And they were all jamming. And Buddy was actually, did a lot of jamming with Jerry face-to-face, steel-to-steel. And on the on the, cars, on the train? On the train. That's great. Ripping down and having those jams. Right. Um, so, I had asked Buddy to help me. And Buddy, Buddy was like, sure. So I said, I want to make an acoustic record. He's like, that's a great idea. You should do acoustic, and um, you know we're talking about the song selection uh, we're gonna do because Buddy knew a lot of my songs. I had played with Buddy for at that point. I've been playing with Buddy since ninety ninety two, and this is like two thousand and four. I've had like thirteen years under my belt with Buddy, um, playing music with him. So um, I said, "Who do we get for guitar?" I'm putting this project together, and he's like, "Oh, if you're gonna do an acoustic record, you got to get Dave Nelson." And when he said that, I was like, you know, you should play with Dave Nelson. You ought to put the new riders back together. And he's like, nobody wants to hear that shit. And I was like, okay. And then we're driving the golf cart, and I stopped the golf cart, and I look at him. I said, you know, just for nothing, for nothing, I would actually pay to go see you play with David Nelson and the new riders. I would pay to go see that show. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get, we finish uh, that hole, we go to another hole, and we're on this par three in um, Rockland County at Blue Hill Country Club, and uh, Buddy finishes out a putt, and he goes, so what do you want to do? Do you want to play bass or, uh, you want to play drums or guitar? And I'm like, I, I was like, for what? He's like, for the new riders. And he goes, I want you to call Dave Nelson tonight. So... I called Dave Nelson, and uh, I told him who I was. I had met Dave once or twice before, and I said, Buddy and I were talking, and uh, we're thinking about putting the new riders back together. How do you feel about that? And he says, and who are you again? <laughs> and uh, we called him a couple of times, and he said he would do um, five shows with us to see how it would go. And five shows turned into, like, I guess 13, 14 years of playing with the New Riders. And where were the first five shows? Um, the first show was in Connecticut. Um, God, I forget the name of that place. We played Connecticut, Woodstock, um, Teaneck, um, a Harvest Fest upstate New York, and um, 
somewhere out in Long Island, I think. So all northeast. It was no yeah, west yeah, coast. No west coast okay. stuff. We didn't do west coast for a while. Okay. Um, in the beginning. And who was in that? The new new riders. Well, the then? new new riders. When I told Buddy that I would play drums, he's like, "Well, who do we get for guitar?" And you know, I know I knew Michael Falzerano. I wasn't really friend. I knew him. I've met him a couple times, and I thought Michael would be a great fit because he's a great rhythm guitar player and a singer guy and a great front man. So I figured Michael Falzerano would be a good... So I told Buddy, Michael Falzerano, he's like, I got his number, here it is, you call him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I called Michael Falzerano up and then I asked him to, if he wanted to be in the New Riders. And Buddy had played with Ronnie during uh, Ronnie's time with Stir Fried. And, uh, you know, Buddy really thought Ronnie sounded like John Dawson. He had like that sure same uh, right. same tonality in his voice. And uh, so that was a no-brainer, you know, to get Ronnie in the band, you know, to play bass. So that's how that all happened, you know. So there's the band. So there's the band. Fantastic. And if Dave didn't do it, we were going to do uh, a band doing New Riders cover music and that style of music and call it Redneck Mothers. Okay. But, you know, lo and behold, David, you know, said he would do it and here we are that's well, where it took us to thank do you that. so much for having the guts to do that and make those calls and mm-hmm. and make that happen that some so much fun so that's how that all went down okay and then you have another band jeb jones right uh, one of my favorites nine piece bluegrass band and what percentage are original songs half i'd say about half okay how'd that all come about well um I moved to Jersey City, and when I, I made that acoustic record, by the way, and I had all local people from my hometown, my favorite players, I had Clay Cassell on drums, I had Vin Warner on the bass, uh, Ken Harton playing fiddle and piano, I had um, Perry Paletta on mandolin, and um, so I was doing acoustic gigs with those guys, not a lot, you know, I was touring with the new riders, come home, do a gig. And, you know, with those guys, and that was like the Johnny Markowski band, and that was a lot of fun, that band. So I moved to Jersey City, and my girlfriend Carmelita is like, listen, you need to go out and check out the scene here now that you live here. And I bought a, we bought a house together, and she's like, you need to go and check out the scene here. So, because uh, she's from Jersey City. So I said, okay, so she took me to a jam, and I walked in and Ben and Aaron were playing. They have a band called Twiddling Thumbs. Great, great band. And they were playing. And uh, I was like, these, these guys are great, man. They're harmonies. And I watched them play. And as soon as Ben walked off the stage, I walked right up to him and I said, hi, my name is Johnny. And I, I really enjoyed your set. And we started talking and Ben became my first friend in Jersey City. And, uh, they used to come, we'd go and hang out at each other's houses Friday night. What are you doing? No, let's have wine and, you know, play music. And for like the first year of hanging out with them, we really didn't play together. You know, like when we would come and hang out, it would be like they would play a couple songs. Right. I would play a song. They would play a couple songs. Right. And then uh, one day we're uh, in my backyard and... Uh, we started playing um, um, some Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Teach Your Children Well. And um, 
we had these harmonies and it like they just came out nobody discussed who was going to sing what right, part right. and it was really nice to have harmony like that so i was i was it tickled me because i was never in like a harmony group or like where i sang harmony right and uh you know um so i started playing with them jamming and doing more harmonies and let's and do this more. is strictly you on guitar with this band cause right it, right with, i'm playing rhythm guitar ben's playing guitar and aaron's playing the banjo right and the jeb and is the jeb is johnny aaron and ben yeah in jeb jones acronym for right. johnny aaron and ben but i'm a um like like uh I'm real hard on myself vocally, you know, like I'm, um, I'm my biggest critic. I'm never, I'm, I'm my, my, when I hear my voice, I, I'm not very, like, I don't like it so much, you know? Um, but when it's blended in harmony and people take it and make it sound beautifully and camouflage me a little <laughs> bit, you know, and they do that, they make me feel like, they make my voice feel like it's better, you know, and I enjoy, uh, I enjoy being in the pocket of a harmony. It's hard to explain, but I enjoy being like right in the, the weave of it. And the feeling of it is really pretty. It reminds me of the first moment when I was a little kid, I, my mom made me take saxophone lessons and there was three kids in the class and uh, Mr. Thatcher made us all play a note, you know, and a harmony note. A, a one, four, and a five, and we blew the blew each of us blew the note, and we and harmony happened. Okay, with the horns, and when I heard that for the first time, it was like, ah, oh, you know. And then when I uh, singing in a harmony group with Ben and Aaron, it was the same same vibe. It took me right back to that moment when I it was in third grade. Um, so we started playing more, and I thought it would be a good idea if we got a, a bass player and a drummer. And uh, they were like, yeah, that would be cool. Then I thought it'd be a good idea if we got a mandolin player. <laughs> right. That would be cool. And bless their hearts because, you know, I'm the crazy person that just, just like, yeah, come play with us. You know, now we have a nine piece baseball team. That's band. right. You know, we could be a soft, we could field a softball field, you know, or a baseball field. And I love it. and. The good thing about being in a nine-piece band is with great musicians, everyone in that band is like my favorite musician from my hometown. Like, they're like some of the greatest musicians. Couldn't agree more. And I'm blessed to play with them. Like, I'm, I'm honored and blessed every day. Think about like how lucky I am to have these unbelievable people playing my music, you know? So it's like, it blows my mind. And um, so I'm blessed. And the good thing about it is like, if somebody can't make the gig, we play anyway. Right. You know, because we can. We've got enough coverage going on. I've seen you with nine people. I've seen you with six people. Yeah. yeah so, it's great. That's kind of cool. It is. Now, last night you had uh, some substitution. You last night, Van Warner, our bass player. Um, Who's tremendous. Stand-up bass player. Yeah. Great sound. Great look. Everything about him is great. <laughs> Hurt his elbow. And he told me he couldn't even eat his Cheerios. <laughs> so he, he asked... You know, he's like, I can't play the gig. And he's like, play, though. And it was weird. Ken, I know Ken is a multi-instrumentalist, um, multi-instrumentalist guy. So Ken um, texted me and said, we have no Vin for Friday. And it hit me. I'm like, Vin, Ken, you play bass. 
and he and I'm like, do you want to play bass? And he's like, yeah, I'll play bass. So. Did, did he have his own bass, or did yeah, he yeah, use? Oh, yeah, great! He has his own bass. So he has his own stand-up bass. No, he played a fretless electric. Okay. But he does have an upright bass, stand-up bass, and upright stand-up, upright stand-up. Doesn't matter. Bass, right? Acoustic bass. He um. He has one at his house, but I don't think it's uh. I don't think it has a pickup on it, so okay. he, you know, but he plays that. But so he played his fretless electric last night. Okay. And he played some fiddle. And when he played fiddle, Hoff, the keyboard player, played the bass notes on the, on the to subsidize, you know, substitute Got it. that. So he did that, and that was kind of cool. Okay. And that's how our show went last night. And All right. Perry so played. A question I always ask is. Strange, you've been on tour, you've been playing music since you're five. We heard the sheet burning story, which is pretty strange. But on the road, what's the strangest thing, maybe funniest thing you can talk about uh, that you've seen that's memorable to you? Okay. It doesn't have to be while we're playing. No. It's just on something happening There's on no stage. rules. It's really whatever comes to mind. Okay, so um, <laughs> we're in Colorado playing. Who, who's we're? Which band? Stir Fried. Got it playing at this place called Coyotes, and um, this kid walks on the stage. We're just coming off break, you know? Everybody's starting to get on the stage, and this kid follows me on stage and asks me if he'd ask Buddy a question, and I'm like, sure, you know, right there, go ahead, ask him. Right. So he goes to Buddy, and uh, he's like, hey, Buddy, I'm a big fan of yours, you know? and. I want to talk to you for a minute. And Buddy's like, are you in show business? And the kid's like, who, me? No. He's like, well, then get the fuck off the stage. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. That is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Only Buddy could say that stuff, you know. So I'll wrap up the podcast with some music. Obviously, I've got a lot of recordings of Jeb Jones. I'll play some of that. Any show that's memorable? Any songs you want me to play? Okay, I'll try to find some. West, what is it, West of the Mississippi? Is that a Johnny original? Or? Yeah, we went to, um, the first time we went, we, Stir Fried, quick story, Stir Fried, um, back in the uh, 90s, the, there was something happening in the Northern Jersey thing. Uh, this guy, Steve Tarkanish, Stars Productions, was like, um, he had like muscle on all the bars and all the bars were only playing cover music. The only bar you could get an, uh, an original gig at would be Mexicali Blues and Teaneck owned right. by Eli right. Wells. Awesome, awesome music supporter, great bar owner, great promoter. We love Eli, did a lot for the music in the Bergen County area, Bergen, Rockland area. And um, so we couldn't get a gig, you know, Wetlands and Mexicali Blues. Maybe Wally's in Bergenfield because we knew somebody there, you know. Um, but we couldn't get gigs to play bars. So we took it on the road. We read about this bar uh, in Relics Magazine called Coyotes in Colorado that plays hippie music and hippie bands, uh, jam band scene stuff. So we sent them our disc. And uh, the guy booked us for three nights. So we took the offer and we drove out there. Playing along the way. Yeah, playing on in front of nobody. Right. Like we got a gig in Indiana, Indianapolis, nobody. Okay. We got a gig in St. Louis, nobody. And then we got to Colorado. We had a gig up at this place called The Alligator in Breckenridge. That was the first night. And then we drove down from Breck, which was a ski town, so there was people in that bar anyway. It was a ski, you know, people Time skiing, of year. Time of the year. And we came down into Denver. 
and uh, we played the gigs in Denver. And Jay Bianchi and his brother Phil had promoted our band so much that we sold out those three nights. And um, on a second. so we sold out, sold sold out those three nights. And on the way home, in the in the school bus, we um, Vin and I, Vin Lorenzo, we were Vin was driving and I took my acoustic guitar in the front and we were so high off of what just happened you know this packed house people were actually singing our music it was kind of like a mind fuck you know like you know we're, we're yeah, he just did here. empty no, gigs radio. right Jay right. just played our music every night in there and um people were it was like it was like walking into another world like a, a like another dimension so um we felt so high off of that. We wrote the song West of the Mississippi ah. on the way home as we were crossing over to the east side of the Mississippi River. The song was written on the bus. So always one of my favorites to hear. We just played the Cuckoo Bird into Shakedown last week, so I nice. won't play that again, but I'll, I'll find some other good stuff to play. Awesome. And I, I love seeing you play. It doesn't matter with what band, but Jeb Jones for me is very special, and I appreciate the friendship, and I appreciate you letting me hang out with you guys and just uh, one of my all-time favorite bands to see. And thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Johnny, thanks again so much for that interview. And upcoming is some uh, great old New Rider stuff that I found on YouTube. And just listen to Buddy playing this pedal steels and bending those notes and just um, really taking lead to a next level kind of thing. New Riders, by the way, are celebrating their 50th um, anniversary tour this summer. I know there's already a show announced at Waterloo. I think it's July 24th here in Jersey. Um, come out, they're so much fun, such a great band, such great talent, um, enjoy the music coming up, thanks.
the sound that rumble from the ground and everyone went rushing for the door the dust came pouring out and it finally left no doubt that the mind was not at issue I think Mary Lou.
right, right, right. This is truck driving man for you. Edification and enjoyment. Here we go. Truck driving man, there we can do another one here. Let's do uh, we're gonna do uh, mellow. Uh, yeah. There's a Gene Pitney tune here. Hello, Gary, Gary Sue. There it is. Mellow Harry Poo. <laughs> Start this thing for us here. Swear my feet stuck to the ground. 
Rainbow.
a slight shock from the microphone as I touch my bass and sing. A shock.
He can't touch the mic and do his bass because it's shocking his poor tender lips. Right, remember the guy in Stone the Crows. That's what we're trying to say. Gee. We like old Dave. That's encouraging. We want him around for a while. That's, that's, that's good encouragement, thank you. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> right. You don't have to think about him when he's dead, you know. <laughs>
now you see we've run through the ones that we were talking about and, and we're we're just sort of does it take an hour to get there we'd like to see a little of it yeah okay Let's see where that's all at, and then we'll check it out from there. Truck driving man. Right, right, right. This is truck driving man. Edification and enjoyment. Here we go. Chuck Chavez, boy, 
That's a truck driving man. Hey, it's Chris Lipper from On The Bus Events, and I hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. Uh, you can always check out the full video uh, from that night on YouTube at On The Bus Events. And if you know anybody who potentially might like to advertise with us, either bands, venues perhaps, or people just around the music scene, I'd love an introduction. All right, thanks a lot. Peace. Bye.